Jesus. You know, if I, uh, if I had a title for my message this morning, uh, it would be Revere Him or Revering Him. Uh, and if we look at the definition of what to revere means, it means to have a deep respect or admiration for something or someone. Anybody uh, have that person in their life where you just, I mean, you have a deep, deep respect for that person, whether it's a, a mom or dad or a grandma or grandpa, someone who may be true to the faith, who's held strong, and even though they face hard times, they're still holding strong to the Word of God and the things of God. And uh, this morning, before I get started, I want to tell you about a few or a couple people that I revere or that I have a deep respect or admiration for, and their names are mom and dad. I'll tell you a little bit about my mom and dad. Uh, growing up, um, I saw them face some hard times and, and uh, go through some real tough struggles. Uh, but one of the principles that my mom and dad always held to is to, uh, it's, let me read this again. I just, I want to read this straight from, straight from the word is that uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. this, it says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And those who, te- who, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Let me tell you something. I know my mom and daddy loves me. Can I get an amen? I know my mom and daddy loves me because uh, they sure knew how to use that belt. In fact, they, they knew how to use it so well that sometimes I flinch when I take off my own belt at home. I still have the, those memories engraved deep within my my brain that I'll never forget. Uh, my mom and dad, my dad, he... Uh, He's not, so, he's not so much now, but my dad, uh, whenever he was in his younger days, I always tease him about this, he used to be a tall, bald-headed, slick, slick bald-headed, biker-looking dude. And uh, he was pretty calm, but my mama was always the one who gave out the whoopings. I don't know why, that's just my mama, she's, she's a firecracker of a woman, she's about this tall, you know, standing on the ground, but she always gave out the whoopings. To us kids, I grew up with uh, five other siblings, so there were six of us, so there was always something going on, right? Always something going on. In fact, uh, in fact, one time I remember, um, uh, has anybody, when you were a child or when you were a kid, ever done something and immediately after you done it, you said, I done messed up? I done messed up, man. I, I done done something. I, listen, I have more of those than I like to admit, so I have a lot of those memories stored back there. Uh, I don't remember every spanking, or no, we didn't call them spankings, I'm sorry, whoopings. We got whoopings, not spankings. But I don't remember every one, but those few that I do remember are engraved into my mind. And uh, my dad was calm around the edges. He, he, but, but the thing about my dad was, is when he would get up to come your way, you just shut up and did what you were told. Okay, because daddy was a big man and you didn't want to mess with daddy, okay? But my mama, she was the one who always gave the whoopings. And, uh, but anyway, one day I decided, I'm going to, being a teenager and all, right, I knew everything. I, I know everything, knew everything. And uh, I decided I was going to call my daddy's bluff one time. And uh, me and him, we butted heads whenever I was a teenager. So bad, so bad. Me and my dad have a great relationship now. But we butted heads when I was a teenager. I don't know if it was because I was so much like him or, or what it was, but we did. And one day we were butting heads back and forth. And I remember I whispered something. I, I, the fight was over with, and I was in a different part of the house. But I remember mumbling something under my breath. That was not a very good idea. I mumbled something under my breath. I said, I'm going to... I'm going to go and I'm going to tell people he hit me. 
That's what I said I was going to do. Now, that was not a good idea. I remember my dad comes into the room, and he laid a WWE smackdown on me. I'm talking about he stole cold, stunned me, Randy Orton's RKO, okay? When my dad walked through Walmart, they thought he was the big show, okay? If y'all know WWE, you know what I'm talking about. But he thought he, they thought he was the big show. And I'm talking, he gave me the whooping of life. And he said, now you can tell everybody. Now, no, no, do I condone any of that. Any, any laying WWE smackdowns on your kids, okay? I don't want to have to start counseling youth because they're saying, well, you told mom and daddy they could lay a WWE smackdown. No, that's not what I said. But in all of that, I learned a valuable lesson that day. I remember, or and through, throughout my whole life and childhood, I loved my parents. I grew up with good parents, thank God, and I know some of us weren't that blessed. But I did grow up with good parents that loved me enough to also show me the fear of God and put the fear of God into me. They weren't afraid to. And they raised me to be the man that I am today. And because of that, I have a deep respect for who they are. Because I know, Miss Georgia, I know that they can do one of two things for me. They can either defend me or they can discipline me. They can defend me or they can discipline me. Now, it's more defending now because I'm an adult and I've moved out and I understand what it is to be an adult. And I truly have a deep respect for what they did and the whoopings that they gave me. And I have a deep respect for, for those two people in my life. Like I said, they, they, they defend me more now than discipline me. Sometimes my mama still has to get, get on to me and say, Now, son, come on. You know better than that, right? She does it more with her words now. Plus, I think I could lay a whoop down on them. They're a little bit older now. Now, don't you go around telling them I said you that. They're supposed to be here next week, and I better not hear anybody telling them any of that. All right? But today I want to ask ourselves this question. This is the question for the day. Do I revere Christ? Do I have a deep admiration and a respect for who Jesus Christ is? See, a lot of the times I think that as, as a believer, uh, we see it in paintings. This is, this is what gets me. All the time we see in a painting, we'll see Jesus maybe sitting on a rock, you know, sitting there, staff in his hand, sheep on his lap, you know, looking all, all joyful and peaceful, right? And he is. He is a God of peace, and he is, a, he is a peaceful man. But let me tell you something. He's also the same guy who says, if you don't turn and do the way the things you know you're supposed to do, I'm going to come at you with a double-edged sword, right? And I'm going to defend you. See, Christ can either be our defender or our disciplinary or both. He can be both. And so do I revere Christ? Do I have a deep love and respect for who He is so much so that I'm willing to go deeper with Him? That I'm willing to do anything just to get closer to who He is? Also knowing that he's my defender and my disciplinary. That's the, big, that's the main thought for today. Do we see Christ as our defender and our disciplinary? Because he's both. He's not one or the other. He's both. So today, the, 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 the text from today will come from Revelation. I read about the church at Pergamum. Which, if you, and you can turn in your Bibles there. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 through 17 Verse 12 through 17, 
this specific church we recognize as the compromising church, the church that compromised. And we'll get a little bit more into that here in just a minute. But it says this, To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food uh, sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans, represent, uh, represent their, repent therefore, otherwise I will, I will come, uh, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the person, I write a stone with a new name written on it, know, known only to the one who receives it. I think I skipped it. Otherwise, I will, this is what I missed. Otherwise, I will come uh, to you and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. That's a pretty bold statement. Talking to the church at Pergamum. I don't know about you, but that sounds, uh, that sounds um, in one sense, Jesus is saying that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you've been faithful to me. And you've been faithful to everything about me. You tell people about me, you do this, this, and this. But on the other hand, you've allowed compromise to settle into your lives. And that doesn't work, work with me. I want to give you a little bit of background on the church at Pergamum. It says this letter is addressing the church and Christians who are compromising their morality and their loyalty to God. The city of Pergamum was the earliest capital of the Roman province of Asia, and it contained a, it just a, it contained a, a famous library, and its citizens developed the use of animal skins and writing materials. Now, Christ's two-edged sword indicates that these Christians would receive the Lord's most severe judgment. I don't think we can even comprehend what that looks like. You see, we, all the time we want to see Christ as this, oh, Christ, I need, I, I need you to defend me. I got this thing that's going on in my life and this and that and the other. When, when really, sometimes the things that we're allowing in our life is the reason that we're having these things go wrong, and it's called compromise. Compromise. What are you compromising today? The two-edged sword was the Roman symbol of authority. Now, let's take a break for a minute. The Roman symbol of authority. So, he said that you were faithful even when my, my, uh, my uh, Antipas was going off to be martyred. Um, a lot of the times back then, what they would do is they would, have these, they would have these soldiers who were leading this person off to death, and they would march through the streets, of the and they would hold up this big sword, and that's way, that's, you knew that, that guy right there, he's going to be put to death. He's going to be put to death. And so for Pergamum, he's saying, hey, yeah, you were faithful to me and, and you were faithful in that time. But I'm telling you this, that I'm the same, that for me, I'm, I am the Lord over your life. I am the, 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 the one who's going to either defend you with that sword or the one who's going to come at you and turn against you with that sword because you've set in your ways, you've compromised the things that I've told you not to. God, sin, God does allow us to face trials in order that we become and endure or that, we, that we're stronger. But if you're trying to blame your compromise on the things of God, if you're saying, well, 
I'm just having such a hard time and this and that, but you're not going to church? You got to be around other people that are of like mindset. And if, you're, if, you, if you yourself are compromising the things of God, we cannot blame our hard times on who God is. Compromise. Allowing compromise to settle into our lives. Sometimes we've got to check ourselves. We've got to get our stuff together and realize that whatever you're choosing over God really isn't all that great. What are we compromising? What are we allowing to compromise our relationship with God? For these Christians in the church, Christ is telling them that I commend you because you're faithful to me. And even being faithful when my, my witness was going off to be martyred. In the same instance, he says that I'm going to come against you. That those who are among you who are committing unspeakable acts. You see, they, it says that they held to the, to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans believed this. They believed that your flesh didn't matter. So whatever you did with your flesh, it was okay. Whatever you looked at, it was okay. You see, this, this city had different temples, gods and goddesses where you could go off and basically you could party and do what you wanted to. And they believed that as long as it was in the flesh, as long as your soul was right with God, then you were okay. Wrong. You're, you're not okay. He says it right there. He says, there are some among you there are some among you who have compromised everything that I've, that I've taught you, everything that, I've, everything that I'm for. You're saying that only your soul matters. When Let me ask you this question. If you're willing to, to do all those things or compromise your own self, is your heart really okay? Is your heart really okay in your relationship with God and with Christ? They, didn't, they thought that God didn't care about the fleshly body. All he cared about was that your soul was right with him. So it didn't matter if you were going out and committing sexual immorality. It didn't matter if you were choosing sports over church. It didn't matter if you were uh, uh, looking at things online that you weren't supposed to. Because one little look won't hurt. One little drink won't hurt. Right? I'm just, I'm just a social drinker. I'm not going to go there. But I'm just saying compromise, allowing compromise to come into your heart because the devil, I believe that the devil's greatest thing that he has into the church today is a little compromise here and a little compromise there. Because that little bit of compromise that you allow into your life, oh, it's not that bad now. But later on, it leads to more and more and more and more and eventually you're not in church anymore. You're not really even serving God. You want to believe that, that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you come to church on Sunday mornings and get yourself right one day a week, then you can do whatever you want during the week. That's not the way it works. You cannot allow little places of compromise to come into your heart because eventually that compromise is going to overtake you. Just a little bit won't hurt. You have to see both Christ as both your defender and your disciplinary. Compromise sometimes can come with consequences. What I have to understand for myself is that I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody ever will be perfect. But you see, there's a difference in not knowing that you're not perfect and allowing compromise to overtake who you are. 
I have to understand that I struggle daily and that God, what God has called me to be and to have an understanding that I cannot do it. However, one thing that I do know is it's not me who does it, but Christ who makes me holy. And am I willing to compromise my relationship with Christ to have a little bit of fun here and there? We always want to say, oh, you know, being a Christian is not fun because I've got too many rules and I've got too much this and I've got too much that. You're wrong, man. If you feel that way, then I'm just coming to tell you that you're not really living a, fr- a lifestyle of freedom. If you're free in who Christ is, then you're, not, then you're not worried about having to do this or do that or this or that. It just comes naturally. Because I'm excited about who Jesus is. I'm excited and I've, saw, I've seen what he's done in my life. I've seen what he's done in other people's lives. And it's not because of anything that I've done, but because of he who makes me holy. But you see, compromise, they come with consequences. For them, for the church at Pergamum, he was saying, hey, you guys have been faithful to me, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But how many of you know that if you ever had uh, a little spoonful of sugar, and, you know, you know, you got it. So this is the little spoonful of sugar. He's saying, hey, I'm proud of you, but listen to this. You are allowing other people to teach false doctrine, allowing other people to just do whatever they want. Yeah, 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 you can go and do and have fun and then come to church on Sunday morning and be all right. But if you really, really, really want to experience truly who Jesus is, you're not willing that that compromise would come and settle into your life. Compromise comes with consequences. I can't tell you, you know, how much this church that we've, that we've read about today sounds so familiar. Sound familiar to anybody? Sounds a lot like the American church. If you ask me, sounds a whole lot like compromise. Oh yeah, we 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 we're, we're all right if you do a little of this here or there, or, or we're all right if you do a little of this here or there. You'll be okay as long as your heart is right with Jesus. Don't don't worry about it. Let me tell you something. We need to. I, I'm a firm believer that we need to preach a little bit more about hell because hell is hot and it's going to be bad. I mean, come on. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, I fully believe that the worst, the worst, I ask my youth this all the time, have you ever been lonely before? Take that and times it by infinity. You'll never be able to experience the loneliness experienced in hell from being separated from your heavenly father. Compromise comes with consequences. These, 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 this church thought that they were okay. They thought that their hearts were right. We have a lot of people sitting in our churches today who think that their heart is right when really they're not. They think they've got their ticket punched into heaven and they're going there. Yes, sir, I pay my tithe. Yes, ma'am, I come to church every Sunday. But you're sitting here every Sunday compromising your heart with little things that you know you're not, you know you need to get right. But yet you haven't yet. And one day, if you don't, it's going to be too late. We cannot sit here with compromise in our hearts and our churches and be the church that he's called us to be. I don't believe God would bless it. Really. If we allow compromise to come into our churches and our people and our youth and our... Let me tell you something. You want a church set on fire with young people, right? 
We want young people to come into our church, be set on fire, filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, and going out and proclaiming the name of Jesus. How can we do that whenever we have compromise in our own lives? And how can we expect them to want to live a more holy and righteous lifestyle whenever we haven't fully given those things over to God, whenever we haven't fully uh, surrendered, whenever we would choose that, that we would rather go off and, and drink and do whatever we want to than invest into the young people? Come on. I'm just being honest. I cannot allow for people to teach our, and help in our youth if they're compromising their relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it's different if you're working through something. If you're truly battling with something and you're, and you're digging down deep and you're finding that grit to overcome the things in your life, it's different than just sitting here thinking that you're okay when really you're not. We cannot be a compromising church. We have got to stand firm for what we believe in. We've got to get back to feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I feel that, you know, one of the, one of the main consequences of, of compromise is that the Holy Spirit will depart from you. You'll no longer feel that conviction in your heart. You'll no longer feel guilty for the things that you do. And, and that little bit of compromise just eats away at the conviction of the Holy Spirit and eventually pushes it out. You don't feel it anymore. Guys, we have to get back to really, truly focusing, quit focusing on trying to have so much fun in the world and focus on who Jesus is. Because like I said before, if you're, if you're so focused on, on the rules and the different aspects and, and the things that you have to follow of being a Christian, then you truly haven't found who free, what freedom is in Christ. We have to be real that we want to say, you know, we can't allow little places of compromise to overtake who we are. That's the main thing about today. Is that if we allow those compromises to come into our lives, then we eventually just aren't coming to church anymore. We eventually aren't serving anymore. We eventually aren't telling other people about Jesus. We've lost our joy. We've lost our hope. We've lost our first love. Jesus Christ. If you continue to allow compromise into our lives, how can we truly be the church that God has called us to be? So do you revere Christ? Do I see Christ as both my defender and my disciplinary? Get back to it. Hard message, but we have to get back to it. And even I, I, I have to find those little areas in my life where I say, you know what? I'm not watching that TV show anymore because it's turned to garbage. It's little things like that. Or, you know what? I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to follow after that gossip at work anymore. I'm just going to turn away and I'm going to walk the other way. There's nothing wrong with hanging around other people who, who don't know who Jesus is. But whenever it, whenever it begins to allow compromise to settle into our hearts, that becomes a problem. If we want our young people to be on fire, full of the Holy Spirit, and, full, and, and, and telling other people about Jesus, set on fire for Him, being called into the ministry, it has to start with us. It has to start with us. We're the leaders of our church, leaders of our households. 
Don't allow compromise to come into and settle into your life. Worship team, would you come back? Short message today. But here's the thing. It's important. We cannot allow these little areas of compromise to settle in and overtake who we are in Christ. And if you're being honest with yourself, I think we can all find a a, a little thing or a little thing here or there that we can say, man, that area I need to do better. I can. I just told you, I like watching TV. One of those little places of compromise that I've had to say, you know what? Instead of watching TV tonight, I'm going to hang out with my family and I'm going to I'm going to read the word and we're just going to be together. I've had a hard day, but I'm going to I'm going to set all that aside or that little TV show that that was good to start off with, right? It was all right to start off with, but now it's filled with filth and all kinds of other crazy stuff. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I don't care to see how it ends. Because I know that who I am in Jesus is more important than these worldly things. So what are we willing to get rid of within our hearts that we can go deeper with Jesus and not be a church that compromises who we are? Because I'm telling you what, I am not, I am not going to allow that little bit of compromise to come between me and God, me, my wife, me and my family, me and my ministry, because none of that matters. Why don't you stand with me this morning? In today, maybe we just need a, a little bit of personal reflection today. Maybe we really need to seek God, we need to ask God, hey, and we got plenty of time too, by the way. Maybe we just need to ask God, what, what is it, God? that I've got in my heart. Maybe I don't even see it. Maybe I'm blinded because it's been there so long. But what, what God, can I do away with? What am I compromising? Because, let me tell you something, those whoopings sure hurt sometimes. They do. And I would rather Christ defend me than discipline me. Sometimes it's good to be disciplined, though we develop a deep respect and admiration for who Christ is. But do I revere Christ? Do I have a deep respect and admiration? And do I see Him as both defender and disciplinary, not one or the other today? If you need prayer today, I want to open up our, our altars are always open. I'm here to pray with you. Our elders are here to pray with you. Our team's here to pray with you. Our small group leaders. But if you need prayer today, don't leave this place. My prayer for today is that you don't leave this place not knowing what God, what you can do to get closer with Christ. So the worship team is going to begin to sing, and if you feel led, you come and find a place to pray. If not, just take some time and just reflect on who Christ is and how do I see Him? How do I see Him? How do I revere Him?